Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huttocommunitychurch.org. Uh, if you haven't been here uh, the past few weeks, we have been uh, looking at the men in the Christmas story, as there's a lot of them, and they have a lot to teach us. Uh, so the first week we talked about Joseph. That's a real obvious one. Uh, last week we talked about the very unknown Simeon, uh, who the Holy Spirit was just really on him and uh, really changed his life. And if you didn't listen to that message, I'd encourage you to go back and to listen to that one. And then today we're going to look at the shepherds, which is another group of men who are incredibly unlikely to be part of the Christmas story as God's Son came to earth, but yet here they are. It was said that um, if ancient shepherds uh, believed that they saw uh, the flutter of an angel's wing, then they believed that was some kind of good luck thing and uh, a good event or good things were about to come their way. Yet the shepherds that we read in this story tonight didn't just see a little fleeting, fluttering angel's wings, but they actually saw the glory of God revealed in an angel who came to bring the good news of Jesus and then a whole host of angels as they sang uh, glory to God in the highest and proclaimed the coming of the Messiah to earth. So uh, I want to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, and it's a little bit of a longer passage, but I want to read the whole thing to you today. So in Luke chapter 2, It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, meaning that they were going to have a census. So this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee, uh, the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. 
And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So here we have the story of the birth of Jesus. So from on high, Caesar Augustus declares that there's going to be a census, which means that everybody has to go to the town which their family is from. And so uh, if your family is from out of state and you're not originally from Hutto, Texas or the Austin area, then you would have had to have traveled back to your hometown. And so that's exactly what happened with Mary and Joseph. So they're living in Nazareth. They've kind of gotten through all of the the conflict they've had. They've talked through it all. They've decided to stay together because she's going to bear the Christ child. And then this census comes out. And so while Mary is fully eight, nine months pregnant, they've got to travel from Nazareth in the north part of Israel down to Bethlehem in the south, which is 70, 80 miles on foot, no less, while pregnant. Not a fun trip at all. And so they make the trip. They finally get to Bethlehem. But by the time they get there, everything is full. There are no hotels. There are no inns. There's no Airbnb. There is no place for them to stay. So finally, they find one innkeeper who says, listen, I don't have any rooms left, but you're nine months pregnant. You're about to have a baby. So here's the deal. I've got a stable in back. And at least you can go in and you can be out of the weather. And maybe you can build a little fire and you can be warm. And while they're there, the baby comes and the Christ child is born. Now, Mary and Joseph uh, are there in the stable, and little known to them, out in the shepherds, out in the fields, outside of town, God is going to make this announcement known to the world. And if you'll notice again, he doesn't go to kings, he doesn't go to politicians, he doesn't go to the rich, he goes to the poor, lowly shepherds. And you know the scene from there. The angel shows up and proclaims the good news, and then a whole host of angels shows up. And once the angels leave, the shepherds kind of look at each other, and they say, what in the world? We've got to figure this out. We've got to, we've got to find out if this is actually true. And so they rush down into Bethlehem, and they knock on every door of every inn that they can find in Bethlehem until they find the Christ child as the angels told them. And when they left... They could not help but to talk about it to everyone that they met. And everywhere they went, they were praising God continually. Now, these little shepherds that are mentioned here in this story, I don't feel like they're really what we generally think about as shepherds. I bet if you were to Google a shepherd and uh, you were to find some pictures, maybe some biblical pictures or the little Sunday school drawings that you maybe grew up with, those pictures are always real pretty. And the shepherds are real nice and put together in these long flowing robes. And they've got their, you know, shepherd's staff in their hand as they gaze over their flocks out in the field. That's not really the case. I would compare shepherds more to roughneck cowboys who are dirty, grungy, probably don't use language that you and I would think appropriate to be in church. And they're just kind of get after it people that get it done and don't really care what anybody else, kinda, what anybody else thinks. These were the shepherds. They were dirty, they were filthy, they were grungy, probably unshaven, unkept, smelly, probably smelled a whole lot like sheep. And what comes out of sheep? Unclean, could not go into Jerusalem to celebrate the religious festival, certainly couldn't go into the temple. They would have to go through an extensive purification process in order to do that. So they were the outcast of society. In fact, the religious of that day really despised them, didn't want them to even be around, but they were a necessary evil. Yet it was to these, it was to these unkept, unclean, filthy shepherds 
that God made known the greatest news in history. And I don't know about for you, but for me, this Christmas season, that gives me a lot of hope. Because you might be here thinking, I'm that person. I'm the black sheep of the family. I'm the one who's the outcast. In fact, I'm not real religious. I'm not even sure that I believe this here today. There's good news for you because the message of Christmas that was for those unreligious shepherds is here for you today as well. And I think as we look at this story, there's really four things that I want to point out to you this morning for us to take home and to ponder. And the first one is this. We must hear the message of Christmas. I mean, we've really got to hear it. Go back and look at what the scripture says in verses 10 and 11. The angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That is for who? All people. For unto you, come on, say it out loud. Are you with me? You is born this day in the city of David. who? A Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So look, look at these things that, that the angel says. I mean, we could spend the whole rest of the time talking about this. Number one, he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I don't know what you're facing this Christmas season. I don't know what fears you have. Fears of the unknown, fears of the future, fears of your relationship with your spouse, financial fears. Uh, maybe it's at work. You're just afraid of what's going to happen. You're nervous. You can't see the future. The message of Christmas says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? Because the Savior's been born. Do not be afraid. Because there's good news. That word good news is, is the word we use for gospel. So when you hear someone talk about the gospel, all they're saying is good news. This is good news of what? Great joy. That word great is the word we use for mega. We talk about mega things because they're mega awesome or mega big or whatever. This is mega joy. Do not be afraid because there's good news that will give you great joy. You keep on going, it is for who? It's for all people. It's for every tribe, every tongue, every little tiny people group buried in the forests of Africa. It's for you, it's for me, it's for people over there, for people over there, for people over there in Asia, Europe, Australia, everywhere. It is for all people. Yet, don't miss this. Not only is it for all people, it is for you. It is for you specifically. Had you been the only one who would ever say yes to Jesus, he still would have sent his son to this earth to die on that cross for you. That is an incredible thought. Here's the, the God of the universe. King of kings, Lord of lords, the sovereign. And he cares about little old you. And every little thought you have. He knows all the hairs that are on your head. He cares about you. He sent a Savior for you. And then we can talk about the three names that are listed for Jesus. He's the Savior. In fact, He's your Savior. He's our personal Lord and Savior. Sometimes we say that in church, within church lingo. He's the Christ. He's the one that we, when we as the body of Christ, 
gather together, that we, we worship him. It is his spirit that comes among us, that dwells within us, that unifies the body of Christ. Yet he's Lord. He's king. And he sits on the throne in heaven today, and he rules over all. And so we see this incredible message that the angel delivers. And, and I hope this week that you will take time to really process through all of those little intricacies of that message. And then hear this as well. Because when the, the angelic hosts, really when that brigade, little brigade or band of soldiers, uh, of angel soldiers comes, what do they proclaim? They proclaim, come on church. They proclaim what? Peace. This is interactive today, okay? We got to get in the habit. This is peace. They proclaim, he, they proclaim he is the prince of peace, as it says in Isaiah 9.6. I found this little quote from the Stoic philosopher Epictetus, and I think it rings so true for you and for me today. While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even outward peace. You know, that quote was said thousands of years ago, and it still rings true today. We often put our faith in, in political figures that they're going to bring change or they're going to bring peace. Um, and maybe if, if we're real lucky that they can bring peace on earth, but even if they can bring peace on earth, what they can't do is bring, bring peace to your heart. Only a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, can do that. And whatever you're anxious about this Christmas season, whatever that is for you, know that there is a Savior who is Christ, and He is Lord, and He offers peace to you today. He offers peace this time of year. He offers a peace that passes all understanding that though your life may be chaotic, it might be a roller coaster of up and downs, yet he offers peace to you if you will draw near to him. The second thing that we see today is that we, like the shepherds, must search for Jesus. We must search for Jesus. Look back at verses 15 and 16. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I love that little word, with haste. We don't say that anymore. We don't say, well, I'm going to H-E-B with haste. We just don't say that. I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of outdated and old, but I, it just... Man, it just really sticks out in the passage to me today that they, they went with haste. With everything that they had within them, they went and they searched for Jesus. I mean, they're probably in this, um, this little sheep pen that is, uh, probably has a little rock wall around it to keep uh, the sheep all pinned up at night. And I just imagine once they heard this and looked at each other, they dropped their supper, they threw it down, they kicked out the fire, and they jumped over this a little rock fence, and they sprinted down the hill into Bethlehem to find Jesus. It makes me think about um, Black Friday shoppers from a few years ago. Do you remember some of those? You remember like when Walmart or Target or wherever would open, and you just had this whole crowd of people that would just go, um, I mean, literally running over the workers who were opening the doors. You remember that? Well, I don't think we'd really do much Black Friday shopping anymore because of Amazon and the invention of the internet, but 
That's kind of what I think about. And that's the way that the shepherds were approaching Jesus. And as they were searching for him and seeking him out after they went to every single little inn in Bethlehem. And I wonder, as the shepherds were searching for Jesus, what is it that you're searching for this Christmas season? I mean, really and truly, what are you searching for? What is it that you're seeking out? Is it peace? Is it a certain gift? Or maybe it's a certain experience? Maybe a certain feeling that you would just have the feeling of Christmas? I don't know what that is for you, but I really and truly hope that you will take time this week to search out for Jesus. I feel like some of you here have maybe put Jesus on the back burner, back burner this year. Maybe it's been months or even years since you've actually sought Jesus. I know you'll show up to church and you know, you'll pray at dinner time and maybe you'll even have a quiet time here or there, but your heart's not really in it. Would you search for him this Christmas season, this week? As we look to Christmas, would you really and truly search for him? Because he says uh, in Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. You know, we had this crazy little accident that happened out here and easily could have taken somebody's life. You never know the day or the moment that your life will end. I mean, it, it can come in a flash and a bang and you never see it coming. It could be something internal. It could be something external, but we don't know the day or the hour. So seek the Lord while he may be found. As David told Solomon when he passed the mantle of kingship to him, he said, if you seek him, he will be found by you. And that's absolutely true. If you seek for Jesus, you seek him out, you'll absolutely find him. I promise you, you will. If you earnestly and humbly search for him, you'll find him. In fact, Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So if you will search after him, maybe you've got questions. Maybe you've got doubts. Jesus can handle all of that. He's not, he's not scared of it. He's not intimidated by it. He can answer every question that you have, but you have to seek him. You have to make that personal decision to search for him. And I just love in this passage here the excitement that the shepherds had. And I imagine just as they rushed around, as they went and searched for Jesus, their excitement only built. And I hope as we approach Christmas this week that your excitement about the Savior will build, like the shepherds, and that when you find him, that your life will be eternally changed. And maybe it's just been a long time. Maybe you're saved and you know him, but you just need a fresh encounter with him. Seek after him. He'll change your life and you'll have the joy of Christmas that will never fade. I think the third thing that we see here today is that we must share what Jesus has done with others. We must share what Jesus has done with others. Verse 17 says, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. When the shepherds left Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, 
their lives were so incredibly changed. In that very moment, by the, the message that the angels had shared, by the song that they sung, and by the reality that they actually found baby Jesus, that they were not the same anymore. And the same can be true for you. When you see what, other, what Jesus has done in your life, and when you realize the radical transformation that happened, you can't help but just let it overflow out of your life. And for some of you, I, I was thinking about it this morning, about how Jesus has so radically changed your life. For some of you, he's freed you from depression. For some of you, he's literally saved your marriage. I mean, your marriage was gone. It was off the deep end. It was obliterated. And God put it back together. I think about all the prayers that we have prayed, even little things like for financial provision and all the um, little prayers for for babies, I mean, we have a whole like room full of babies over there because you people pray and God hears our prayers and he answers them, mine being one of them. That's life-changing stuff. And, and we often talk about sharing the gospel and we talk about being salt and light and how we need to be better witnesses, we need to evangelize. And what I see here in the scripture is that we can talk about that and we can place guilt trips, and we can do programs, and we can do all kinds of little things to encourage you to do that. And I'm not saying those things are bad. But the thing that really kind of tips the scales on that is when you, when you really understand what Jesus has done for you, when you understand what he's saved you from, when you understand that he's, he's taken your broken life and he's put it back together, it, it's in that moment that all of that just overflows and you can't even keep it inside anymore. And so we go back to the first couple of points. Like Some of you, you really need the gospel message down in here. You need the message of Christmas to change you. And you need to go and search for Jesus. And you need to find him and have a real encounter with him. And when you do, you'll see this third point become true that you'll just have to share everywhere you go. And it will absolutely and radically change your life. That's what happened with the shepherds. When they truly encountered the Messiah, they were no longer dingy little shepherds, but they were witnesses to what God has done, and it changed them forever. The last thing we see is that we must praise God. We must praise God. I mean, I just can't help but think about the shepherds and how that radical just display of magnificence would have affected their life and how a song of praise just would have overflowed out of them. Verse 20 says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And so as you reflect on all that God has done in your life this last year, may we remember who deserves all the praise. For some of you, God has... He's, Helped you through illness. He's helped you through sickness. He's helped you through tragedy. And here you are. You're still here. For others, um, he's put your life back together in radical ways. For others, that he's done things in your job and in your finances and your family life that can't be explained except without the miracle of the Savior interacting. And so I, may we return all of that praise to Jesus. When we're gathered around our, with our family, as we're about to open presents, remember all that God has done. And take time for uh, yourself just to reflect on what God is doing. And I would just encourage you 
Excuse me. I would encourage you this week, as we approach Christmas, send the family out of the house. Maybe you retreat to your little prayer closet or you carve out some time on on your work calendar and you just say, this is going to be Jesus time. And I'm going to spend some time reflecting on all that God has done for me this year. And I'm going to make a list. Make a list. Uh, What's the old hymn? Um, Oh, now it's not going to come to me. Uh, Come on, Brookie, help me. (laughs) The old hymn that talks about recounting all the things one by one. What is it? Somebody knows it. Count your many blessings. Thank you, Richie. There we go. Our hymn expert in the back. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one and see what God has done. Maybe you would do that this week. And you would sit down in your journal or on your computer and list out all the things that God has done for you this year and begin to return praise and glory and honor to Him. And then I would challenge you this week, as you do that, to then reflect on what God is doing in your heart now. What is He saying to you? What is He doing in your heart? Is there some hardness of heart that needs to be softened? Is there some resentments that you just need to release? Is there some kind of truth that you need to figure out in your own life so that you can walk forward with Him? Maybe He's trying to teach you a fresh truth this time of year. Whatever He's saying to you, you reflect on that. And as we move through the next couple of weeks, and we enter the new year, and we go back to school and back to our regular work routines, let's return to the routine with a fresh spirit of praise in our hearts for all that God has done this last year. And so as we, as we close this morning, I don't know where your spiritual walk is, but my hope and prayer for you this week is that you would just stop. Put all the family stuff aside. Put all the parties aside. Put all the gifts aside. Put put all of that to the side for just a few moments. And stop and think about the message of Christmas. Think about your own life and how you're going to search for Jesus in this next year. Think about those who God has put in your life around you. And they just need to hear the good news that Jesus loves them too. And there's a place for them in the family of God. And that we would overflow, return to our routine with just a fresh spirit of praise. And so I encourage you to think about that, to reflect on that this Christmas week. And of course, I hope to see you on Christmas Eve as we kind of continue our same chat and reflect on all that God has done for us. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.